Welcome to Both Sides of the Bunk Bed, the podcast about being teens, living multiculturally, and trying to love Jesus while we do it. We're your hosts, Eden and Maddie, and in today's episode, we're talking about mental health and mentoring. Let's get started. Hey, Eden. Hey, Maddie. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We are back from our Christmas break, which was a really nice time off for us. We had some time off school, hung out with our families, and celebrated Christmas. But we know that the holidays and the Christmas season can be a really stressful time for a lot of people. And as Eden and I both have had and continue to deal with different forms of anxiety in our own lives, we decided to make that our topic for today. So before we talk about our personal stories, I just want to mention the difference between self-diagnosis and clinical diagnosis. Um, Understanding mental health is a journey in itself. Yeah. But... The things that we say, like, neither of us have gone, like, specific diagnoses from, like, psychologists, but we both have met with counselors and other um, people who understand the battle that mental health is. If you are experiencing symptoms that you think are related to anxiety or depression or another mental illness, we strongly encourage you to talk to someone and get the help necessary because as helpful as self-diagnosis can be, um, clinical diagnosis is very important for people who need to get medication or other help. So we want to encourage you to do that. Yeah. We both have had personal struggles with anxiety specifically and that we've diagnosed in ourselves and have worked to fight and conquer and just live through. So we're going to start off by talking a little bit about our own stories. So I noticed that I had more anxious thoughts probably around the beginning of my ninth grade year or end of eighth grade. I'd always been a more nervous kid. Like I was always the kid who was asking like, oh, but what if, what if this happens? You know, what if, what if we're the one roller coaster that like falls off the track or like, what if that happens? Or like, what if the risk of the like, plane falling out of the sky or, I don't know, just stuff like that. And I had always been just a little bit, I guess, more nervous, but it became more of a actual problem when I got into ninth grade. And throughout the first, like, three to four months of ninth grade, uh, it progressively got more and more noticeable to the point where I was having more noticeable attacks of anxiety. And there are two different kind of attacks of anxiety that people generally talk about their anxiety attacks, which are when anxiety comes on to you all of a sudden. And these may not be noticeable, but you could be sitting in class and all of a sudden have a thought that pops into your head that just makes you nervous or do something and you feel incredibly anxious about it, about what you did. Yeah. And anxiety attacks are often um, like internal, how you said, and not noticeable, And that's one of the distinctions from panic attacks. Yeah. So the second type of attack is a panic attack. And these are generally more noticeable for sure. And they're also usually more drastic. They're generally more exaggerated, I guess I could say, than an anxiety attack. But these are just as uncontrollable as anxiety attacks are. But often have a trigger or something that caused it, especially for people who have specific phobias or um, have gone through PTSD but they do not have to have a trigger. Agreed. So 
yeah, for me, I noticed more anxiety attacks in in the middle of ninth grade, and my overthinking also got worse. So I really struggled and continue to struggle with overthinking everything that I do and say to the point of it almost becoming like pointless that I ever said it because I've thought every possible result from what I've done. So that's kind of how my anxiety pre presents itself. And then Eden, if you want to talk about yours. Yeah, um, I think that we both have experienced anxiety in very different ways. Um, just especially like with the progression. I think that my like thoughts of fear and other things um, that I saw, not necessarily crippling, but places where I saw anxiety preventing me grew over time and a lot of a like a longer time period, I guess. So um, in about like fifth grade, I think that I started to notice uh, struggling in social settings, but I definitely desired to like be a social person, but I found it really draining and I kind of started to dread hanging out with people in some ways, but it wasn't very consistent. And so I never really thought much about it. And it wasn't until the end of my eighth grade year that I felt like um, the fear that I was experiencing was preventing me from having healthy relationships or really or um, preventing me from building relationships that I wanted to and going out and getting like a social atmosphere that I needed. I would say that I'm an extrovert and I get a lot of my energy from being with people but I found more often when I was in social situations that I was being drained and I just wanted to find a way to get help with that or understand that and be able to express it to the people around me who were going to be able to help me. So my story kind of starts from the end of eighth grade when I went and saw a counselor and met with her a few times and then talked to my parents. Yeah, so I think the other thing that differs in kind of how we experience anxiety is the physical side of it. And so I tend to have a lot more of a physical show of my anxiety. Uh, I'm sure you do too, obviously. But um, I'll notice when I start overthinking things or when I'm having an anxiety attack, um, or even a, for sure a panic attack, but I'm my hands start shaking a lot more, my teeth start, start chattering, which is something that people always ask if I'm cold, and usually it is I'm cold, I do get cold <laughs> pretty easily, but that is one of my um, symptoms, I guess, of my anxiety that presents itself. Yeah, I think that um, for me, like the physical things that I notice more is like my heart racing and or like my temperature being off, which is not something that people can see from the outside. Mm -hmm. It's not like a movement. Although with some people, I will like, if I'm nervous, even right now, I'm like grabbing my hands and holding them tighter, which if you're in class or just sitting with someone, it looks really poised and professional almost, or just really like content, but it can be a sign of some a time that I'm being anxious. I think because I experience a lot more relational and social anxiety that I've learned to control it in a different way, or I've learned to suppress it, especially the like outward side, because it's yeah. usually based on a social setting, and I don't want people to ask questions and make me more nervous. Yeah, yeah. so part of anxiety, and really any mental health, is learning to cope with it, and learning to deal with it from day to day. So, like as you said, your anxiety usually presents yourself, itself more in social settings. So do you want to talk a little bit about how you learned to cope with it? Yeah, definitely. So I think the first thing I realized was just trying to find people that are 
safe places for me. A lot of people talk about having like a physical safe place, but I really needed um, a person or a few people that felt like my social quote unquote safe place. And by developing friendships like that, that didn't have to be in larger groups of people, I guess like developing a lot of one-on-one -on -one relationships so that I could say, hey, I want to go hang out with people, but if I start doing this, you know, I'm really anxious and can we like leave the setting? And also finding other people like you who mm -hmm. have, who understand what it means to have fear in your life, yeah. who aren't just gonna let you live with it and aren't just gonna let it control you and will encourage you to put yourself out there, but also will never push you beyond a place where you're comfortable. Yeah. Which obviously is not like a, oh, I learned to, like, tap and breathe a special way. Like, yeah. <laughs> I do think that those kind of things are helpful, and definitely, like, breathing is yeah. just such a, like, essential thing, and I feel like people say that all the time, like, just breathe, but I don't think you need to just breathe, mm -hmm. but definitely breathing helps, like, at the process of um, being in control over your own mind. So developing those kind of friendships really helped me. Yeah. One of the things, going off of what you said, that has been huge for me is breathing, because my anxiety is generally more like sudden or physical or it's the overthinking part of it I find that when I do take deeper breaths and when I do I have multiple breathing exercises that my counselors or my friends have taught to me and those do tend to help me calm down and get just a little bit more in control of my feelings but the other thing that has really been beneficial to me is finding again like you said finding people who you can talk to but specifically not for me finding people I can go to when I'm feeling anxious, but finding people who I can talk to about the things I've been doubting. Mm -hmm. So just even advice or reassurance or when I say, yeah, I said this one thing and now I've been feeling like a crap person for the entire week because of that one thing I said. Just someone who will tell me, hey, like no one's going to remember it. And even if in your head you know that no one will think about it, anxiety kind of prevents you from discerning what what you know is true like to be true mm -hmm. having someone just to tell you that who isn't yourself can be really helpful yeah I agree that finding those people to talk to you really helps you be able to process just one example of how I experience social anxiety on a daily basis um, I remember at the beginning of ninth grade being really scared to go to meals because we live on a campus, we have to walk to our cafeteria. And so I was scared to go and just walk the, like a hundred yards or something to our cafeteria without someone because I was so scared, not even like of being embarrassed, but just being seen as alone. And I feel like a lot of anxiety are rooted in like lies. And I think that lots of people who struggle with anxiety or other mental health have like a series or a few of like core lies that affect kind of all the other areas mm -hmm. um, and for me definitely like being alone was one and so on a daily level it meant that I was scared to go places alone and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to develop friends who I who I could tell like hey will you come with me without having to explain everything and mm -hmm. them just being willing to listen going off of what you said of people who tell you like reassure you that like what your thoughts are like I guess tell you that you know that's not true about you and it's okay people who are really good to do that are mentors and I know mm -hmm. that that has been a 
benefit in both of our lives? Yeah, for sure. So I, I think when I was younger, I thought mentors were a very official like term. Like people talk about having a mentoring meeting. My, I remember like my grandpa used to mentor a college kid who went to our church and I don't know, he would like say, oh, we're like going out for coffee, but in my mind it was like, oh, mentoring, that's like so formal. And I don't know why I thought that, but I think I have really like two main experiences that I've had with mentoring. And in both of those times, it was for me just huge to have somewhere I could go and talk and just not even specifically talk about my anxiety or what had happened that week, but instead have a place where I could get out of that and just be myself for an hour or two. So uh, one of the people who has really mentored me and worked with me a lot and just been there for me, uh, we had a writing lesson once a week. And just having, I would, I'd loved just going and reading what I'd written to her and getting feedback. And even though we never really talked about any of the things I was thinking about at the time, it was nice to just have someone who was wiser than me and older than me who I could go and talk to. And then my more recent mentor, who I'm still meeting with regularly, I often go for to her house for dinner, and after dinner we'll have dessert sometimes or tea and just sit and talk. And it's really nice just to have those spaces where, for me, I can kind of break out of the bubble of overthinking that's encompassed me for the past week or however long, just to have time to relax, which is huge for someone who's dealing with anxiety. Yeah, and coming at it from like a cross-cultural perspective, it's really nice, especially um, living in a different setting, to have someone who also lives in your setting, who Agreed. understands like what life is like, even if it's not specifically about you know our anxiety or like hard things that happen in our week or you know anything serious. It's just they understand the world that you're in. So if you're looking for a mentor or seeking someone out, definitely try to find someone who has gone through similar situations as you and understands what it's like to be where you are and yeah. in the setting that you are in. I have always loved talking to adults. And, <laughs> yeah, I agreed. <laughs> um, I have an older sister, and I feel like, especially when I was younger, I would hang out with a lot of her friends, which, I mean, she's not, like, that much older. Mm -hmm. But I definitely liked talking to older people, and I loved um, sitting down with, adults especially like with my if my parents had friends over I would love to just sit and be at the table and talk with them part of me now wonders if I was stressed out by hanging out with other kids <laughs> in my own age but I definitely do think it was that I genuinely enjoyed being with adults as well um, and so I've had multiple informal mentors and a few formal mentors whatever that means just someone who I asked with using that word mm -hmm. Um, in seventh grade, I actually like talked to three ladies at our school, and I was like, "Oh, will you be my mentor?" And she was like, "Oh, I'm busy." And like, "Will you be my mentor?" And then she's like, "Oh, you know, I'm actually leaving this year." And then I asked someone, and she was like, "Yes." And I was a just a testament to me that like I could pursue someone, mm -hmm. and even though I had been rejected, I guess, mm -hmm. by two people, I was able to find someone. And I really think that that was the Lord's wisdom who pointed me to someone that I would be able to talk to for more than a year and really get to know. For me, I um, with that mentor, we went through a book first together, uh, a devotional so that I could, you know, we could discuss biblical things and 
grow in our, our in my relationship and I mean we didn't only talk about the book yeah. but it was definitely fun for me to have something to guide our conversation mm -hmm. before I knew her well and then we ended up just having a quite a few times where I would go to her house and sit on her porch and just talk and it wasn't something specific about a book or whether it's like a devotional or mm -hmm. an actual book or a book of the Bible. And then now I meet with two ladies pretty regularly, or two women. Um, one, I eat dinner at her house every week, and it's just a really relaxing time for me. I definitely feel like her house is a home away from home, and she's really similar to other women that I look up to in my life, and my mother as well. And so I've liked having her be in my life and in involved in growing me and I just feel like I always laugh a lot and have a lot of energy when I leave her house and then I have another woman here who I just go on walks with probably like once a month and it's just really refreshing and uh, I feel like for her I just give more like broad things like this is what's going on in my life right now and we mm -hmm. chat and it's also nice to just get out and walk somewhere and not be like sitting in a class or in my dorm room or something like that. Yeah. Mentors can be really great, especially for obviously mental health, but also for guiding you spiritually. And something that has helped me with my mental health has been finding refuge in God. So what I've been learning recently through a lot of things, but primarily my struggles and I guess my overthinking and all that has been trusting that God is peace, he like he embodies peace and he's a refuge. So I have two verses that have been, or two passages I guess I should say, that have been really influential in me realizing this and reassuring myself of this. And these are the verses that I say to myself frequently to remind myself that even when I'm anxious that Jesus and God are peace in my life that I can continually turn to. So the first one comes from Psalm 36, and the verses are verse 5 to 7. Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the highest mountains, your justice like the great deep. You, Lord, preserve both people and animals. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. And when I discovered that verse, it was a little random. I was just at a prayer night, and I read it, and... When I found it, it just gave me immediate peace. And I have something that I wrote down in one of my journals just about that. And every time that I feel anxious, I just remember that people turn to, like, the psalmist says that people take refuge under his wings and your love is higher than the mountains and your faithfulness, like, continually extends. And it just shows how big and overarching God is and that I can continually run to him. And I, something that I noticed when she read it was that it just takes our eyes off of our situation and onto the glory of God, which so much of anxiety, like, even though it's not like a selfish thing or something that we've chosen, but a lot of it is like focused on yourself and your situation. And I just feel like that is a good reminder to look beyond. And I feel like anxiety is so often like the things that block like horses' eyes and like keep blinders, us, yeah. blinders <laughs> and keep us so focused on like one thing or especially like, the bad situation. And so that verse is just such a beautiful reminder of that God is like beyond anything or any situation we're in. Yeah. And then the second verse that I turn to a lot is in Hebrews. It's Hebrews 1.10. 
And it also happens to be a quote from a psalm, which I didn't realize until recently. But the verse is, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. And for me, that is another reminder that God is holding. He's supporting the world. He's in it, and he is here. And he is holding my life, too. Like, the heavens are the work of your hands just reminds me that he's present, he's here, and I can rest in that and find reassurance that I can find peace even in my anxious thoughts. Yeah. Um, of course, like, I turn to scripture a lot, but something that I found I remember more in moments that I feel really anxious or during an anxiety attack are the lyrics of songs. One that I've been loving lately is Peace by Hillsong Young and Free, and the chorus, or like the hook leading into the chorus, just goes, peace is a promise you keep. And that is like just so astounding to me that mm -hmm. God, when he promises peace, like in his word, that he's always going to be faithful to bring it. Not always like in that situation, but he pushes us to the limits that to where we have to find peace in mm -hmm. him. And he's the only one that we'll truly find peace in. And that's such just a wonderful reminder to me. And then the song Tremble by Mosaic MSC is really special because I have like sung it and listened to it on repeat in times that I felt really lonely or had anxious thoughts of like, I guess like for me, like with the social anxiety that like you'll never kind of be accepted and other like I was talking about lies, those things. Um, and it just talks about like Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. And I just think about like the darkness in me and the fear in me to continue going that like God is like making it tremble. And when I tremble in fear that so do the powers of evil, they tremble at who he is. Mm -hmm. um, and then the last one is Defender by Upper Room, which I feel like has gotten popular in the last year. And I heard it at a few camps. Um, this summer and a moment for me that was really scary but also really amazing was uh, I was just at an event that was really overwhelming and um, I kind of broke down not like completely but I just started crying and it was really scary for me luckily I was with my family and um, they helped me and like came back and sat with me but the room was full of like really loud music and lights and I guess it was just like sensory overly yeah. overload and um so I kind of sat in silence like trying to compose myself and then this song came on which I had just been singing like the week before and it it was kind of just like a moment that it felt like despite the room being all like loud and crazy I was able to stand up and lift my hands and find kind of a haven through that song and so it has stuck with me and every time I hear it I think about that but also like the victory over that yeah and I think even though verses are things that I tend to repeat more the times I do feel really the most at peace and the most just I guess maybe not like comfortable but just really rested and relaxed are when I'm worshiping and so our school has like about once a week just a worship night that's optional that you can go to and it's about an hour long just in the dark with live music playing and just that hour of prayer and worship songs has been huge for me so even though there aren't specific songs I turn to songs definitely are something that can be really peaceful 
Yeah, I honestly find it ironic that I'm the one who talked about songs because I feel like <laughs> in general you're the more musical, musical one. one. <laughs> for That's sure. True. But I, I do think that like I get the catchiness of them. Yeah. So coming from our places of dealing with anxiety and also, I guess, dealing with cross-cultural anxiety, like, traveling with it and stuff. And knowing each other and yeah. me trying to understand your anxiety of, like, why would that make you anxious? Or you trying to understand, like, situations that make me anxious. We've learned a lot, especially, I guess, like, this past year, 2019, <laughs> um, about how to help people with specifically anxiety, but also any mental health and really struggles that they need yeah, to Yeah, definitely. Through. Like, any problem. We came up with a sort of list or a few things to keep in mind when talking to someone or when building a relationship with someone who has anxiety or just honestly anything. Um, so the first thing we want to talk about is just being an active listener, mm -hmm. which if you're listening, you're not going to be the one talking and you're giving the other person the opportunity to share to the full extent. And a part of just the active or the active part of being an active listener is being engaged. So whether that's, you know, making good eye contact or holding their hand while they talk to you, nodding, asking questions that are open-ended and allow them to explain the whole setting, not being like, why did that make you anxious? But mm -hmm. saying like, oh, how could I help next time? And asking good questions like that. Yeah. And then the second thing is validate their emotions without exaggerating the situation. So something that's been really helpful for me, and I think a lot of other people that I've talked to is when you turn to someone for help you want them to you don't want them to do like one of two extremes you don't want them to just brush it off like oh it's okay like we're almost we're almost leaving or like it'll be okay because then it just kind of feels like you almost feel bad for feeling anxious but you also don't want them to freak out and think that something's really bad when you're just like oh hey by the way I just kind of feel a little anxious today and then not, you want to be like, oh my goodness, what's going on? We need yeah. to take you to the hospital. Like, yeah. So, yeah, just don't exaggerate their feelings. And this goes a lot with that. I The whole point of these is that they all go together, but yeah. we're picking out different parts. So the third thing is matching intensity, mm -hmm. which just means that if the person is having an actual panic attack, you can see that they're struggling breathing and stuff, you do need to engage and be able to help them mm -hmm. and especially someone that you know and if their intensity is a lot lower or they're not expressing any like emergency just be okay with that and um, be willing to give the time that it's needed mm -hmm. if their intensity is low it might take a longer time to get into the discussion or being able to listen but if their anxiety is high you might want to act faster or get a person who's going to be able to help them more and I think another thing that isn't a point but kind of goes off of that is don't match their fear. Like, don't increase the situation by saying, like, oh, yeah, like, I'm... F or if you are afraid to, but they're more stressed, just try, try to be there for them and mm -hmm. don't increase their anxiety. Yeah. But the fourth thing is, is ask how you can help in the future. So after they've had or come to you with a struggle or had an anxious moment or day, ask how you can be there. And try not to give things like, oh, you should do this next time, or you should try to avoid those situations. Because a lot of anxiety is not predictable. And even though you know where you can 
find triggers or what may cause more problems, it can be hard to say, this is what you should do. So just ask them how they would find the most rest. Yeah, and like we were saying, like we both present even like the physical aspect differently. So at telling someone to breathe, like obnoxious, you like breathe, breathe, mm-hmm. breathe, might not be the most helpful way to, to calm someone down. Yeah. And the last thing, um, which kind of goes with all of these, is try to have pre-established trust and just be there for the person. So someone with anxiety is not going to want to explain their whole story to someone that they've just met or don't trust. And so we found that the most helpful people are ones that have taken the time to establish trust with us and who are consistently there in moments. Like for me, um, some of my friends who are always there in social settings, sometimes it's just fun and I know that I can have a fun time with them. And those kinds of memories prepare us to have moments when I'm really scared or really anxious and just need to like have someone to confide in and so try to establish trust with someone before you try to fix their problems or understand them. Agreed and as we mentioned before this does apply not only to anxiety but you can use I guess these tips for whenever anyone comes to you just try to keep these I guess five things in mind. So just to reiterate the steps is just be an active listener, try to validate their emotions, but not make the situation worse, match their intensity, be prepared to ask how you can help and ask um, how you can help in the future as well, and then have a relationship with the person you're trying to help. Don't just only be there when they're nervous or only be there when they're sad or something. Yeah. So this is, I guess, just a little bit of a look into our personal struggles and we also please don't take these as a general generalization of what anxiety is because anxiety and any other mental health they do present differently in different people and people do struggle with different things but yeah this is just a little bit of what we've gone through and how we've learned to deal with it on a day-to-day basis thanks for listening to this week's episode and we hope you enjoyed it and share it. We're a small show and things like that really help us. If you want updates, feel free to subscribe or follow us on Instagram at both sides of the bunk bed. We hope you join us next time, but for now, that's all for both sides of the bunk bed.